Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Afton Rizzoni is a new business owner. She has busted through some of the entrepreneur myths in the last three years of starting her business. She's also now niched down to teach about brand messaging and content strategy. The way she breaks it down, how to find your voice and cut through the noise is a must listen episode. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. My guest today is Afton Brizoni of Scribe National. Welcome, Afton. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me, Wendy. So excited to talk about content and brand and all those good things. Um, but first, you're fairly new to the entrepreneur world. You started Scribe when in September of 2019. What made you leave the corporate world and run into our world of self-employment? Yes. So at that point, I actually was, I had one foot in each world. Um, and, and really what prompted the decision to start Scribe was you know, simply the fact that I wasn't getting to do enough writing at my job. And so writing mm -hmm. is really, I mean, it's the technical skill that, you know, I, I founded the company on. Um, it's what I love to do. It's what I actually still hang on to a little bit as even as the founder trying to do all the things. And so that was the impetus behind it. Um, and then basically fast forward six months, obviously the pandemic happened in March of 2020. And so that kind of made the decision for me to yeah. leave the corporate world. Um, the organization that I worked for actually laid off 75% of staff um, and still has kind of kept it lean ever since then. But it was actually, I would definitely say a blessing in disguise because I took Scribe full-time at that time. And it has been really an upward trajectory ever since then and a lot of fun and I I feel that it's you know the most fulfilling experience and and so super happy that it worked out that way that's awesome so scribe is a COVID baby yes that's right <laughs> I would never thought of it that way before and I love it <laughs> oh that's so cool I'm so excited now I have this saying I say to people who are starting a business, and I always say, there's only two times you're going to be stressed often. One is when you're busy and one is when you're not. Um, how do you resonate with that? How has it been for the first couple of years of building that business? I resonate completely with that. And so I would say by far, we've been on the side of being stressed because we're busy. <laughs> um, but there, there have been times, like obviously in the beginning, you don't know how it's gonna go. There's the uncertainty. Like I mentioned, the technical skill that I bring to the game is the writing. It's, you know, I'm not a, a trained salesperson. So you don't know all of those things. And so there is for sure any time where there's a lull, um, you definitely get stressed. But yeah, I would say, you know, we've been fortunate that it's been more on the side of being being busy. And so I think that's such a delicate balance to 
try to find the right amount of busyness and it is difficult to control uh, i think as a service-based business you know there are, there are things you can do and i mean we can we can get into that but yeah it, it totally resonates with me <laughs> um so when i think about um as you grow and 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 how what you're measuring to, to say, are you being successful and they have changed? Like, you know, I suspect someone said yes is all you needed to know I'm on fire at first, but has that evolved over the couple of years? Cause you said you have like six people that work with you now, um, has what you define success that changed? Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And that's very true. And I would say in the beginning it's, yay, I made the sale. And so I think it changes into like, what are the right clients for you and your business? You know, what is the type of work that you want to be doing? Because for us, that has evolved. So in the beginning, we were positioning it as integrated marketing and communications. And well, when I say we, at that point, it really was actually just me. And so it wasn't until summer of 2020, so about not quite six months after I took it full time, that I, I started bringing on contract writer. I mean, that's that's often the way in the agency world that that it's done. And so I have great team members that work with me now. But yeah, it's it's transformed from just about like a client to, you know, not only the clients that we want to work with um, and the type of work we want to do, which is really niched into the B2B content writing, content strategy and brand messaging. But I think it's also about knowing the type of clients that you are best positioned to help, because we all, of course, want to really, you know, get those results for our clients. We want the partnership to be beneficial for both parties. So I think that's one of the ways it changes. Um, and then I would also say in terms of going back to what you said before about being busy, like it's one thing to have you know, a lot of new clients come on board. It's one thing to have a certain amount of revenue growth, but are you, to what extent is that kind of encroaching on any ability to have a personal life as an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I look at that first summer and I really did not spend very much time outdoors, which is super, super important to me, but I wasn't able to do it. And, you know, I did what was required to grow the business, but now it's like, okay, well, I also look at like, well, how much, how many hours, you know, are you putting in and, and how much time are you getting for yourself to recharge? And so I think that's also a big part of what success is, at least for me personally. What do you think has been the biggest myth that you've busted about entrepreneurship? Because if you, you know, we all, when we started our businesses, we had this perception of what it was going to be like. What have you learned was wrong about your initial perceptions and where you are now? Oh, that's such an excellent question. Um, and I, as I, I'm going to try to think on maybe the most clear answer, but a few things come to mind initially. And so one thing I would say is just like, you never really figure it all out. <laughs> and so what I mean by that is like, there are the things that in the first year or, and like you said, I haven't been in the entrepreneurial space that long. So for me, I'm really like our, our three-year anniversary is coming up this fall. So I can only speak, you know, to a, to kind of a short period of time, but you will always, it's like that saying new level, new devil. And I'm not sure who said that, but it, it applies so well because as soon as you figure out one thing, there's uh -huh. something else presents itself. And so I think maybe I didn't really realize that. <laughs> um, and I think one other thing that I would say is like, 
I don't think I realized I, as I mentioned to you in the beginning, I got into it because I wanted to write more. And so there are so many other things that come in and you just have to completely educate yourself on all of those other aspects of running and growing a company. Um, and I was not prepared for the, for the extent to which that needed to be done. But then also I would say, it's like, if you did get into business because you want to do something. So in my case, writing or whatever it might be for someone else, if you want to retain that because it makes you happy, you have to fight for that because otherwise the other things that are required to grow the business will just naturally encroach on it. And you have to remember that it's actually you who gets to continue making those decisions about what you want to do in your business. And so I think sometimes I forgot that and the, and I've been able to come back to that and I will always retain that as part of what I do. I actually quite love that because I feel like the world is full of experts telling us how we should do things, you know, but that doesn't mean, I think what you've brought up is almost like if it brings you joy, then it needs, that can be your guiding principle. The rest of the stuff can be, someone else can do if you don't like doing X, Y, Z, but you love doing this doesn't mean you can't shift that preconceived notion that you must be all CEO versus I'm going to be part of this and part of that. It's so true. And I, and that's something else that I didn't think about either. It's just like, obviously I do think that when you get into entrepreneurship, it's good to be a sponge, um, you know, on some level and like always be learning and always be absorbing information. But I, but yeah, I think that it's like the industry might tell us that we need to do certain things, but for me, coming completely out of client delivery is not something that I want to do because I, the joy is in the writing. And so that's what yeah. I need. And I think sometimes if we don't, uh, as entrepreneurs, sometimes at least have be touching and delivery, how do we stay in tune with what our clients need? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's about just like challenging those assumptions of how we think we're supposed to run a business. That's awesome. So you've now shifted kind of into brand messaging and content strategy uh, as the areas of focus for your writing and the programs you have. What is the biggest challenge around brand messaging as entrepreneurs? Like, what do I need to be paying attention to? Oh my goodness. Yeah, there, there, there are several. So I think one thing is that as the business owner, you are the one that knows your business the best. And so sometimes if you, you know, you may think, okay, well, writing is not my strong suit. I can't um, craft these messages in, in an articulate way or whatever it is that you're coming up against. But then if you work with a marketer and you're not happy with the results, like, I, I just think we need to kind of try to flex that muscle a bit. And that is why I created my program brand for the brand for demand, because there, there are certainly benefits to having someone come in and do all of this for you. Like, I can't dispute that, especially when we are in those busy seasons. But I think that as an entrepreneur, the more you actually understand about the discipline, whether it's marketing or whether it's finance or whatever it is, um, you're actually better positioned to really, you know, contribute in a meaningful way to the growth of your own company. So with something like messaging, you know, we may find we may just want to throw our hands up and say, you know, that's that's not where I excel, but really just sitting with it and, and thinking like, OK, I can learn this, you know, because it can be learned. Um, it can totally be learned. And it, and it starts with a few simple things like really getting inside your customer's head and, you know, just 
just not overcomplicating it. Um, marketing is, it can be a, it can be a flashy industry. It's, you know, it's highly creative, which is great, but there's, there's that balance we need to strike between the creativity and the catchiness and the cleverness and all of those things. And just actually being clear and just actually uh, speaking the words that our customers are telling us that are things they're struggling with or things they want to achieve. And so we can just boil it down and simplify it a little bit. And I think sometimes that's the challenge with, with messaging and marketing as a whole is that we kind of build it up to, to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Mm. Um, one of the things that came up for me is, uh, as I'm, how do you teach people to find their voice? I feel like in this world, there's so many should be like this. I have to talk like that. I have to be like this versus how do you let, if you have a little, little freakiness in you, how do you let that out and still be on brand? Like, how do you find this stuff? That's a great question. And we're actually in the brand personality and voice module in my program currently. Oh, cool. So yep. it's super timely. And what I would say is I actually get asked this question quite a bit um, around not only how do you find it, but also like how authentic should you be? Because some entrepreneurs are on the one end of the scale where they're like, they want to let it all out, but they're just not sure if it's too much. Like I've, ha I've had that, oh, I'm too much, um, that kind of a thing. Or on the other end, people, you know, it's in there and they have opinions and they have thoughts about things, but they really don't have sort of a practiced way for getting that across. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's either one or the other that that's often occurring. Um, it's, you know, people that are just in the middle and are having no trouble with this. That's amazing. I, I commend you. Um, but a couple of things for finding your voice, I would say is like really sitting with, well, I say number one, like the values behind what's important to your company. Um, what's important to you? Why did you start the company? You know, what, what kind of world are you trying to create? And so I think when we, when we're clear on our values and when we come at our marketing from a values driven approach, that's automatically going to position you in an authentic way, right? Um, so I think taking taking it that way and then also just actually getting getting some type of framework of what the personality and the voice is down on paper, um, which may seem prescriptive or not fun um, to some people, but the, the issue of staring at that blank screen, I know is such a problem for so many entrepreneurs. And that is sort of where, what you mentioned earlier about like, just kind of thinking, oh, I should sound like this, or I should sound like that. But if we actually have our own framework to start from, we're less likely to kind of fall into just emulating what someone else is saying for the sake of it. Um, if we really sit down and think, you know, how do I want to come across in the world? Um, what is it about, you know, if, if you have a lot of uh, past client experience, you can even think of it from this perspective, like, what is it about working with me specifically, my company specifically, that was valuable for clients? Like, is it the fact that we're always bringing, you know, that, that off the cuff sort of upbeat perspective to meetings? Like, what is it that about our approach and about the voice that we actually have in our day-to-day -day interactions that we can translate into our marketing because what you don't want is for there to be a big disconnect between the personality and the voice when people are face to face with you and then the personality and the voice that are in your marketing, you know, it's gotta be congruent. Your business is making a profit. You're growing, but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. 
don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your Financial Diagnostic Score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. I wonder too, how do you advise clients? Like I see so much content and I swear it's like it's vanilla. Sometimes I say it's vanilla, but then I say, no, vanilla has flavor. So um, how do we stop being boring? Yeah, that's a great, that's, that's funny. And that's a great question. Um, I think, well, first of all, again, flexing that muscle of really taking a stance, right. And, and going back to the values and there are so many things inherently about you as a founder, about your team, about your approach that are interesting. And it, and it's, it's true. There is like a lot of boring content out there and it's a shame because if we just actually strip away, like all of the fluff, um, you know, we can get across a really interesting perspective. And that's where I think storytelling and, and really trying to build those skills in telling a story in our content um, is especially helpful. Uh, and is something that I've, I kind of bring in from my journalism background. Mm. It's, you know, we don't just want to be salesy. That's not, um, you know, we've got to go beyond that. And we've got to try to tell a rich, interesting story that's actually going to leave an impression on someone. And it, it is easier said than done for sure. But yeah. I think just looking at it from like, you're not like, okay, for sure, you're creating content because you want your company to be seen because you want to drive action. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And obviously it needs to be done. But, you know, we're creating content because we want to, make an impression on people. We want to teach them something. We want to leave them with something. And so I think when we do it from that manner, we're more likely to succeed, at least from that, uh, from eliminating sort of the vanilla factor. (laughs) So you brought up storytelling and I hear an awful lot about that these days. It seems to be the, the new focus or the new way of, of talking to people through socials and other pieces. What is different about storytelling than say how we used to talk to people a couple of years ago or, you know, what is, what is storytelling and why do I need to do it? Yeah. Well, I definitely would agree that it's become a bit of a buzzword. And I think like anything in marketing that just happens, um, marketing loves our buzzwords, but what it really is, is it's enabling someone who is either reading, listening, or viewing that story. So that content to relate to you or to feel like they know you because they need to feel like they know you. And and I'm sure that other marketers have given this advice before, potentially even on this podcast, they need to feel like they know you before they can trust you before they can buy from you. Right. So it's that whole kind of that progression. Yeah. Um, But when we do it through story, you know, we do it in a way that actually keeps someone's attention because the issue today, obviously, is that we are, bombarded left, right, and center with content and it's getting shorter and shorter. And I mean, I'm still a huge fan of long form content. So that is something I will go to the wall for long form content. I love it. Um, but yeah, we, we just, storytelling is a, is a way to, to get your marketing across, um, in a way that says, you know, I actually care about the fact that 
someone is going to be engaged in this and someone is going to learn something, you know, it's not the me, me, me marketing, like the very pushing information out, you know? And so I think that we've really moved away. We definitely want to move away from that, making it all about our own company. We want to tell a relatable story, or we want to tell a story about our client, a story, you know, it's not always about the brand, the founder, the company, like, sure, we do need to have that personal aspect, but we need people to feel that they can relate. And we need people to feel like they see that we understand them and, and they're, you know, telling the stories that do that, I think is really what makes the difference. Okay. I just came up with an analogy. Tell me if I'm totally off base. It feels like it's the pill that we've wrapped up in something that tastes really good. So we're the pill being the information we're trying to convey, but storytelling makes it that we can consume it and uh, understand it better. Absolutely. Because if you think about like, we work with a lot of tech companies at Scribe and some of that content can be, I'm just going to say it, you know, it can be dry. Um, it can be hard to understand. It can be complex. And, and this, this is another thing that goes back to journalism as well. Like if there is information that is complex, well, you're going to lose people. Like, how are you going to convey it in a way that's actually going to keep their attention? I mean, they've got 60 other tabs open on their computer that could entertain them to a greater extent than you are. So, and that's why one of the things that we do on the content writing side of our business is the customer story. And so another word for that is, is a case study, right? But like, if you're, if you're thinking about a tech case study, you might think, Oh, who wants to read that? You know, that's, that's super dry, but actually making it human, you know, and infusing that human element into it, you're not making it about the product. You're not making it about features. You're making it about the people that are in the situation and that the people that are experiencing the friction and the people that are looking for the solutions and the people that are applying the technology to get the results. And so when it's about the people um, mm -hmm. and when there's a narrative, then it, then it's, it's just so much easier to digest and it's much more effective. Interesting. Okay. So we're going to, we should be telling stories. We should be using our own voice. The framework that you're talking about, is this kind of a, a like for personality and voice, is this almost like a checklist so that you can kind of have something that you can evaluate a piece of content before you ship it to make sure it has things? Or is it like my brand book for my use of logo and stuff like that? Like, what is that? Yeah, I would say it's more along the lines of the brand guidelines, like instead of having, and those visual brand guidelines are super key. And every time I give a workshop on brand messaging, I always, always ask who here has a logo or brand colors? And almost everyone says yes. And then I ask who here has a verbal or written identity for your brand? And hardly anyone says yes. And so that's kind of just a side note, but it's, but yeah, so it's that other aspect of your brand guidelines that really in order to, you know, put your best foot forward with that visual brand, you need the personality behind it and you need the words and the messages behind it. So I think just getting it down, like I call it a brand messaging playbook. So just kind of getting it down in a document that you can reference where you don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to, you know, waste time trying to figure out what it is. And like you said, you can cross reference. You can even look at your own content from the past three months. And you could say, how well did we do at infusing a personality into this content? And you can kind of challenge yourself to improve on that and iterate further in the future. And if you have 
five personality attributes. I mean, I wouldn't recommend getting crazy and having too many, but you know, say if you've even got five, you're like, okay, well, this, this piece of content, it's a little vanilla, you know, how do we, how do we amp it up? And it just gives you something to go off of rather than trying to just recreate the wheel every time. I just had this image of that ad of putting hot sauce on everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, what I'll say just quickly about that actually too, is like, it also, it's the way that you relate to your customers too. So you're going to have like, yeah, you want to spice it up, but maybe some people don't like hot sauce. So we've got to know, we've got right. to know what resonates with the customer as well. Oh, so it's that, it's that perfect mix of like, I like the recipe analogy or the, the food analogy. It's, it's creating that mix of what is going to be authentic to you as well as what is going to be, you know, irresistible to the customer. Oh my God. Writing as a uh, cooking show. Okay, good. Um, now, <laughs> Content strategy, let's translate into that. So storytelling is obviously one element of content strategy. What other things do entrepreneurs need to be thinking about from a strategy perspective on their content? Mm -hmm. So we've kind of, a few of them we've touched on already and those ones I won't dig into as much, but then there are a few others. So we've talked about the customer research and just, you know, we never want to assume. Um, we just want to talk to our customers and I'll just kind of leave it at that. Like talk to them, please um, find out what's important to them. Don't make so, assumptions, yeah. yeah. So that's key, of course. And, 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 and I think I always say like, you want to have the brand messaging playbook you in place. Like you want to have a clear sense of that verbal or written aspect of your brand before you embark on the content strategy. And then, you know, once you really have a strong brand, absolutely, you know, moving into the content strategy, doing the customer research. Um, one thing that's huge is, you know, is tying your content to your business goals. So like, it's not just about, oh, I didn't post on social media this week. I better get on there. It's about, well, no, what outcome are we actually trying to drive in our business with this piece of content? And so I think, again, I, I tend to say less is more, but if you have like two to five business goals that you can establish and say, okay, well, this is how we're gonna work towards these with content marketing. And that way, like we all know, you know, marketing takes time and it costs money. So we don't wanna just be doing it without sort of a purpose in mind. We really wanna have it tied to business goals so that when we, when we sit down to create a piece of content or when, depending on, well, I guess if, if you're the founder, I mean, you're gonna be the one making these decisions, but you may have a co-founder, whatever. Um, if you're having conversations about what should we be doing in our marketing, it's a lot easier to say, well, okay, can we actually map this back to a goal? And so when you have those strategic business goals for your content, you can then drill down and, and say, okay, well, for each goal, what content tactics do we need to employ to be able um, to achieve this? And again, you don't want too many because uh, depending on the size of your company and your team, you just want to do what's going to be realistic and what is going to enable you to maintain consistency. Mm -hmm. Because if a strategy is not something that you can actually stay consistent to, then it's not the right strategy for your company. So just, you know, getting those goals, getting those tactics, um, using that customer research to inform those tactics, like what's actually resonating with people. I also recommend doing a bit of a competitive analysis as well. Um, I don't like people to get too hung up on what others are doing, but I think having a level of awareness of what else is going on out there in the market. Um, and then even auditing your own content as part of that analysis. 
So it's about, okay, well, what did we do last year that either worked really well or could there, you know, there's an opportunity to improve. Um, so that those goals, those tactics, that competitive analysis, you know, and then really putting it together in a larger lead generation calendar where you actually have everything like your content topics, um, how frequently you're going to publish uh, sort of not only your own content streams, but how are you going to partner with others and activate other people's audiences like I'm appearing right now on your podcast, you know that's a part of my content strategy. So I think all of those things can be really useful. Um, and again, they just need to be down on paper so that you have something to work from. Awesome. What haven't I asked you often that would be important for an entrepreneur to know about brand messaging and content strategy? I think one thing I'd like people to know is that content marketing takes time because it, it comes from a place of actual relationship building. And, and I advertise for my business and by no means am I saying, you know, don't do that or anything like that. But it, if, if that is sort of, if you've been kind of leaning on a more traditional outbound marketing strategy and you are switching into content marketing or a more inbound strategy where you, where you drive demand and you attract people to you, I think it's just important to know that a lot of entrepreneurs want things to happen yesterday. I am absolutely guilty of that myself. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just the way it seems to be. And so just knowing that it takes time and that yeah. depending on the offering that you sell, like if it's something that the market doesn't have a really high level of awareness around, then it, it, it's going to even take a little bit longer. And so although it's not like the most flashy thing to leave people with, I think it's really just being consistent and, and I hope that, you know, we talked about it at the beginning, like my company is, is not even three years old. So I hope that I can sit there in 10 years and say, yep, you know, we stuck with it. And that was why we were successful. And the people that I do see who've been around for a long time, who are really successful, it's because they were consistent and it's because they stuck with it. And so don't just, yeah, give yourself the freedom. Of course, your messaging and your strategy can change, but, but don't just change it up all the time you know, really try to stick to it and try to, you, know, you can fine tune it, but don't just throw it out. Right. So um, revisit from time to time, but not constantly or you'll drive yourself nuts. Exactly. And, and you haven't given yourself the time, like if you're revisiting it constantly, you can't say whether it's working or not because you haven't given it enough time to work or not work. So true. So true. Afton, this has been a delightful conversation. And I believe that the real bottom line here is consistency is your best content strategy. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.